Hey everyone. So today we are speaking with Jennifer Boudray, who's a former librarian turned parent coach. And if you have a child or a student who might be navigating the challenges of finding their identity at the moment, then this is the interview for you. So Jennifer is a parent of LGBTQ plus children and she decided to go into parent coaching to help other parents who might be finding it challenging and wanting to support for their child or their student for teachers in absolutely the best way that they can. So I am so excited for you to hear what Jennifer has to say. And if you have any questions, feel free to put them in either the show notes of if you're watching this on YouTube or on the podcast. And yeah, like, subscribe, download, <laughs> just enjoy the interview. I know you're gonna love it. All right. Hey, teachers and parents. So this interview is for you if you have a child or maybe you know a child who is struggling with their identity and you aren't quite sure of how to react or what to say to make it a safe space for them. Maybe you teach a child who has come out to you and you want to know how to support them in the best way possible. Or maybe you're even considering leaving education at this point and would like to start your own business. So we're going to talk about those things today because in this episode, I'm so excited. We are talking to Jennifer Boudre and Jennifer is a parent coach who developed Parent with Care to help parents and carers learn about, connect with, and celebrate their LGBTQ plus children. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on our show today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yay. So before we start, tell um, tell me and our listeners, of course, how, how did you get to where you are now? It's a long story, so I'm going to keep trying to keep it really, truly short. I've had a lot of, you know, twists and turns throughout my career. Um, but the overarching thing is I've always worked to connect people with information and resources that they need for their lives. So that showed up first as the radio show host and producer of a radio show called Discovering Kids. And then I created an internet directory back in 1997 at the beginning of the internet um, for families in my community in Montgomery County, Maryland. Then I transitioned and became a school librarian. And I did that for a good long time while my kids were in school. And then I also spent a little time as the district administrator for uh, school library programs for DC, Washington, DC public schools. So then I came to a point where I was like, I, I'm, I'm tired of that thing, <laughs> education, and especially life as a school librarian where you are forever and ever having to explain to people what it is you do. Um, I just decided it was time for a shift. So looking back at all of the things that I had done kids and parenting had always been at the center of that. I had also at the same time been doing a lot of advocacy work in for the LGBTQ plus community. My son is bi and I am the bonus mom to a trans man. So I went and became certified as a school, as a parent coach, and then realized that my niche really was about helping people to learn about and, and sort of get dispel misunderstandings and fear around LGBTQ identities. Because once people understand, it's a lot easier to become an ally. Right, absolutely. And um, so in starting, like in the beginning of starting the business, um, was it was it a bit, did you have some fears going on there and some some challenges? It's terrifying. Right. That that every I mean, I had the blessing of being having been an entrepreneur like early, early on. Right. And so I knew that it was possible. Um, 
But leaving school with a set schedule and a salary and health insurance and all of those things that we, you know, come to depend on and just the certainty of this is the thing I do, right? To becoming that person, like, it's all me. Yeah. I have to do all the things. It's terrifying. Um, but also freeing in a very, very significant way. And so I, it just got to a point where I knew I needed to do this thing. And so, it, yeah, was it mainly way. your like your self talk that helped push you through that that fear, or did were there other challenges that came with with beginning the business? I, I mean, certainly, I I will say I have a very very supportive significant other who okay. was encouraging, and that was super super helpful. My kids are out of the house and grown and gone, and so I really had the opportunity and the space to just figure out what it is this thing was. Yeah. And then I reached out to folks, right? Getting the certification was super helpful to me. There's no official certification to be a coach, but for me, I needed that structure and that academic approach. Um, and then I found coaches for business coaching and coaches for parent coaching. And so relying on others who had taken the path and been successful was really, really helpful. I hear that so often about, you know, you must, if you're going to go and do your own business, getting a coach, it's really just a game changer, you know, and I know a lot of, a lot of uh, teachers or anybody really who's coming out of their job to do something different. Sometimes there's like, oh, I don't know if I want to pay for a coach, but I mean, you have to think about it in terms of they are going to get you to the same destination in three months that you would have taken three years. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. And then having that path to follow. And I, if I could, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Jen yeah. McCollum with the Parent Coach Club, because she is the first coach that I started working with and is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And again, the community of working with other and connecting with other parent coaches is so empowering. Where did you connect with them? Do they, um, was that through your, um, the course that you were taking or? Was no, it, your... it was, you know, thanks to a good Google search. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I truly, from the very beginning, I, I literally was sitting at my desk one day and I was like, all right, so like, I want to help parents learn how to parent their kids, right? I had been working in schools for so long, realizing that a lot of the challenges we deal with it in the school building home from home, right? And yeah. nobody teaches us how to parent. We all make the mistakes that our parents made or and new ones. So I literally Googled, is parent coaching a thing? <laughs> and it is. I love that. So, <laughs> that's where I, you know, again, found the certification and then just started finding, you know, thanks to the algorithms, you yeah. start to get uh, more people and more information coming at you. That's great. Um, I also hadn't thought about parent coaching either. So I think that's fantastic. I don't know if a lot of parents even know that that's a thing either, just like you're saying. Um, what advice would you give, uh, say, because we're talking about teachers a lot. So what advice would you give a teacher who wanted to start their own business? Yeah, so being really, really intentional about the thing that you love to do, right? Not necessarily the thing you're good at. You might be amazing at writing lesson plans and writing curriculum. But if it doesn't like make you want to jump out of bed, don't mm -hmm. try to go and do that thing for others because it's going to become exhausting. So really looking at what are the things that get you fired up that you could just, no one could stop you from doing that thing. 
versus the skill set that you have, right? So that's one step. The other step is being very, very realistic about, is there actually a need for this thing? Yeah. And so am I going to be able to earn money? You got to have, you know, there's, there are bills to pay. And that piece is, I cannot underscore enough. It is going to take a lot longer than you think to make the money, right? You can sit there and make it work out on paper. Oh, it'll be fine. Six months, I'll be doing this and this and this. It'll be great. Especially if you are a solopreneur and you are having to do all the things. Yeah, It's going to take a lot longer. So make sure that you are going to be able to give yourself that runway and that span of time necessary um, to be able to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. Absolutely. I agree as an entrepreneur, 100%. You have to make sure you have that kind of that that net that safety net there that if, if something does not go according to plan you're okay you're going to be okay won't. yeah <laughs> yeah which it won't <laughs> exactly um so earlier when we were uh be- before we started you were telling me um about the queer camp fair so can you explain that what's that about yeah so one of the things that as i started you know again helping people to find information and resources, right? And that's where the librarian brain comes from. And that's literally what I did in 1997. It's gathering information, curating information and presenting it away so that it was easy for people to find. And through my coaching and a lot of the conversations with people, one thing that kept popping up was, how do I find a summer camp for my kid where they're gonna be safe, where they're gonna be affirmed, right? In the States, we are dealing with so much political horrificness for queer kids that it is first of all you know top of mind is your child going to be safe and then also I don't want to have to explain it right I just want to know that this is a camp this is a place where my kid is going to be uh safe and feel affirmed and seen so I started talking to camps and talking to parents and saying like would it be helpful if there was a directory, one place for people to find these camps? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. So here we go. So it's going to be launching very soon. I don't know when this is going to be, you know, getting out into the world, but we're, you know, in the beginning of February, middle, beginning of February, almost the middle. Um, And I'm going to be hopefully in the next week or two being able to launch it so that it will be a comprehensive directory of all LGBTQ plus affirming camps in North America to start, wow. which I know you're not there, but that's okay. It, when, it'll grow. It'll grow. Exactly. One day it'll, it'll come here to South Africa. Um, did you like, did you have to, did you start off just approaching camps or did you have parents telling you like, Oh, okay, well, I know this camp for sure. They will definitely be, you need them on your list or how did it yeah. kind of, how did it so kind of start I literally, so on my website, I had been listing, you know, resources, right? Just a stat, a a basic listing of of some camps. And it was a lot of personal vetting. So it was going and checking out the camp um, and seeing whether they were being upfront and clear about their mission uh, to support kids. And then I just did more internet searching and, you know, scraping and scraping and then reached out. So I had compiled a list of about 100 camps that I thought met the criteria, reached out to everyone and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this thing? Would you participate in this? And that's where I got the data to say, yes, absolutely. It was overwhelmingly, we will, we would absolutely love to be part of this. So I was like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And, you know, then I found an amazing uh, 
another coach, another business coach yeah. who connected me with an amazing web designer who happens to be queer as well. So, uh, you know, talking with parents and other folks to ensure that we were approaching this in a way that was going to be, you know, sensitive and attuned to the needs of uh, queer queer families, queer parents, and people who want their kids to be allies. Yeah, I like um, I like the idea of the fact that you did the research by asking people, right? Is there a need for this? I think sometimes entrepreneurs, and I know I've done this, right? You don't actually do that research. You kind of just be like, oh yeah, and of course, like I would use it. So everyone will will use it, right? So, and then it doesn't go according to plan. So actually going out and asking people, um, you know, it would this be um, a, a benefit to you, you know, and finding out because then you will get your yes, 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 yes. And you're like, okay, cool. There is a need for this. So yeah, I think, yeah, smart. Having it, you know, it's doing a, a proof of concept, right? Yeah, Being absolutely. To ensure that you. Um, and I wanted, I was really uh, interested in for your parent will care program. Like what is the big picture? Because how long have you been running it now? Parent with Care, I've been doing for a year and a half, almost okay. two years now. So what is your big picture goal with this program? Yeah, so Parent with Care, CARE stands for Compassion, Awareness, Respect, and Empathy. And for me, that really is a process that is allowing people to shift their mindsets, right? And it really is, even though I'm starting with parents of LGBTQ plus youth, because there's a lot of the awareness part that people need to understand. Um, the approach, again, is very global, right? So compassion to me is triggering action. If we want to see, if we want to fix. And parent, as parents, we do that, we're in that space all the time. Awareness brings clarity. Who is your child actually, right? Not the person that you think that they are or that you hope that they are, but who is that, this human being that's in front of me? respect then will it fosters stability and gives kids those boundaries and gives you know I, I often say parents job is to set the boundaries the child's job is to push against them yeah so when you have conflict it means everybody's doing a good job right and so you've got to work through that um you know but again the approach is not to parent over your child but parent with right to to make sure that you're going on the same path and then empathy ignites connection Right. Mm -hmm. So the difference between compassion and empathy really quickly is, again, compassion is that action piece. I want to do I want to fix empathy is I'm just going to sit with you. And allow you to feel these things. And and a lot of my approach, I, I recognize all of the mistakes that I made as a parent. My, <laughs> my youngest is 27 now. So I've got 30 somethings and, you know, late 20s. I lived in that place of compassion all the time. I was always wanting to fix, wanting to give my perspective. What my kids needed most of the time was just me to be like, ah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Oof, that hurts, right? And giving them that space. Um, so it's a learned thing and it's having to pay attention. So my goal is first to you know, truly, truly, I want there to be safe and welcoming communities everywhere. And so working with people to help them, again, get rid of the misunderstandings and the fear of LGBTQ plus youth and adults uh, mm -hmm. really truly is going to help to make all of us safer and feel more at peace. So I have been doing a lot of uh, training and workshops with educators, with um, healthcare workers, with mental health providers, with uh 
organizations and within, you know, uh, community and county government. Wow. So when, when at the very top, when you were saying, you know, this is for people who might know a, a kid, the reality is everyone does, right? Yeah. 7% of the population is queer. So even if you don't know it or they don't know it yet, you know, someone yeah. who is queer. And I think if, if like, maybe if you know someone, you can always also, if you are listening to this, you know, um, podcast or watching this video, you can show the parents of that kid too like this could be something you know you could look into because it can only help it can only make you know the relationship stronger and make that child more more comfortable in their in their skin right um yep. what what should a parent or a teacher say when a child comes out to them so it might be different so for the parent and the teacher but yeah so there's kind of two different scripts that i recommend for a parent if your child comes to you and says oh i think this is my identity or this is who I am. First of all, believe them. Believe who yeah. they tell you that they are in this moment because it can change. So the first thing you say is, thank you for telling me. Thank you for sharing this with me because that know, that lets me know that you trust me with this information. The second thing is, I love you. Full stop. No rejoinder, no, no matter what, because if you do that, no matter what part, that means that that thing that they just shared with you, you have to get over it. Mm. Okay, so not the right messaging. I see. Thank you. I love you. Third thing, what do you need from me right now to feel supported? They might need you to help them tell other family members. They might need you to hold this information from others, which is hard, but it's their story. They might need resources and information and support groups, right? So letting the child lead you through this process is vital. For teachers, it's a little bit different. One, again, thank you for telling me, right? It is hard for kids to share this with adults sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, we wanna to get to a world where it's not so much. The second thing is truly checking with the kid to find out who, knows and who can't know, right? And this is touchy because sometimes a kid is sharing this with Ration with a teacher because they're not safe sharing it at home. Mm. And it's really important for the teacher to know, is this information your parents know? Can we have open conversation about it? Or are you sharing this with me because you don't have another space or a person to share it with, right? right. And that's going to help you determine what support you can provide for that kid. And then the third thing is, what do you need from me right now? How can I support you? Right. So a little bit different, but basically the same kinds of things. That phrase, what do you need from me right now? How can I support you? That is actually excellent in a lot of, um, even in, in just if you're in a conflict with someone you love, right? Or not even a conflict, but you you want to help, you want to fix Right. But you actually, be yes, you want to be compassionate. Right. But just saying, what do you need from me right now? It allows you to see what they actually want instead of you just going in with what you think they need. Right. Yep. Them actually saying, um, okay, I, I really just need to sit on the couch and you can sit beside me. So 
it's, yeah. it's very powerful, that phrase within itself. Um, I think everybody needs to, needs to know it. So yeah, thank you for that. Definitely. Um, in coaching your, the, uh, in coaching parents, like what are some of the aha moments that parents get when you're coaching that maybe they weren't aware of, or they're like, Oh my gosh, that will, that's what I should try. I should do that. Or something like that. Yeah. Anything like that? The thing, the biggest thing is that realization that we all have intrinsic bias, okay? We are born into a world that says boys are this, girls are this, right? A very binary, heteronormative world. So recognizing that um, is a moment where you're like, oh, I learned this information, um, right? I, I Somebody told me that this was the way things are. And I, I'll i give an, an example of how deeply this is embedded in all of us. My, as I shared, my bonus son is trans and he's married to a, a cisgender woman and they have a child. And when she was pregnant and got sonogram, that all important 20 pump something week sonogram, came home and he's like, it's a boy. And I'm like, is it? Because you of all people as a trans man know that penis does not necessarily mean boy, mm. right? But it is so like, again, even someone who is trans is conditioned to think boy and girl, right? And in the vast majority of the time, that is correct, right? Around, again, 7%-ish um, and 3% for uh, trans. So it it's not on, it's not a bad thing that we have this in our minds, but recognizing that we have to step back and see that the child that we have is a unique, autonomous, individual human being, separate from everything that we hope and dream and believe about them mm. is hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah, no, abs absolutely. Um, I had a friend a few uh, years ago when I was living in the, in the UK and she had, um, two daughters. And I remember one of them came out to her as being bisexual and there were a lot of tears. And then later when her, she was pretty convinced that her other daughter was also, you know, questioning her identity and where she was headed. And she opened up the door for conversation, but her daughter didn't really want to she kind of shut it down she didn't really want to talk about it um should my friend just have kind of let it go or should she have just like was there something she should have said or what do you think I think that there are a couple things that might be going on simultaneously one is the kid might not be ready to share mm -hmm. first of all the kid may not be trans yeah <laughs> Okay. The kid might just, and we can talk about the difference between gender expression and gender identity. But um, so first of all, the, you know, you're making an assumption that might be incorrect. Um, secondly, the child may have recognized that they are trans and may not be ready to share it yet. Right. They're still trying to figure it out themselves internally. Right. The third thing is kids are watching how we respond and react all the time. So if I'm a child and I watch my parents have a really tough time with my sibling coming out, I filed that information away. And being bisexual, and, and I'll share a story about that too, but being bisexual is like one level of understanding. 
a change in gender is a really dramatic shift. So if my parent freaked out about something that I think is pretty minor, what in the world are they going to do when I share this information, right? right. So in all cases, it is the child, you have to let the child lead, right? You have to demonstrate support and allyship openly um, and let them see that and believe it and build that trust. And then when and if they're ready, they'll tell you. So my, my own personal story with this is I, I knew from very early on that my son was not straight. I had no question. Um, and that was fine, right? So I figured he was gay, no worries. But I grew up in a time where it was either you were gay or straight, right? right? It was pick a team. And I always communicated my support and allyship for um, the queer community, but I had a very limited understanding of sexual orientation and sexual identity. So he was gay and I was fine, life was going on. And then when he was 19, he wrote an op-ed for his college newspaper in response to being called out uh, the F slur. Um, and in that article, he came out as bisexual. And I was like, oh, wait, what is this? So I had to learn. And obviously, you know, I, I've progressed and, and grown in my knowledge and understanding. And he's now 27. And a couple of months ago, uh, he was sharing, we were talking about coming out stories. And he was sharing with me that growing up, hearing me talk about pick a team really caused him to hide his uh, bisexual identity from himself and from me for a very long time. And that hurts. That just, oof, you know, here I am doing this work, trying to help other parents and realizing, oh man, I blew it. Um, and, you know, we've repaired and it's fine, yeah. but it is just, you're not, you have to be aware of all of the messaging that you're giving all the time because you never know. Yep. I... I completely agree. You know, you, when you think about what you say within your house, you have to remember that your kids are always filing it away, right? It's all just getting implanted in their subconscious and yeah. they can draw it out at any time, right? It's But it's always there. And I think how we speak in front of them is so important and I hope that by listening to this parents are going to say okay I actually I do sometimes say things that maybe are inappropriate or are, you know whatever they're you know, in some way should not be really said in, in your the privacy of your own home because your child is going to then adopt that belief or adopt that that thought about something um, yeah. and yeah, it's definitely, I, I do, I do actually have two friends who are quite good at that, thankfully, but I think it's because she's in education that she is aware of what she's saying because as teachers, you hope that, that they are aware of what they're saying in front of kids, right. And that they don't say things in order to give the, the children they're teaching some kind of like negative bias of some sort. Yeah. And again, yeah. recognizing that we all have biases that are, it is human nature. That's how our brains are designed. And just yeah. being able to challenge them and yeah. recognize, oh man, I was wrong. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Recognizing that you're wrong and being like, okay, like, let's fix it. Let's move forward. Like let's acknowledge and move on. And absolutely. Let's not hide it. Um, what is, we mentioned it before, but what is the difference between gender expression and gender identity? Yeah. So I, this is where I always ask people, um, 
So Marissa, are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. How do you know? Um, because all through school, I, I wrote with my right hand and my handwriting looked good. So I just kind of assumed that was, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. So like if I give you scissors or if you pick something up, you usually, you just use your right hand, right? Yeah. Your right hand on that. So if I asked you to use your left hand, it would be very, you would feel weird. It would feel yes, off, right? It does. So gender is that same thing. It's that intrinsic knowledge of I am male or female, right? And so we say, you know, society, We you hear people say gender is a construct and it's not necessarily a construct, but it is an identity. So kids know their gender identity by age three. They might, if depending on the messaging and the, the environment that they're living in, they may embrace that and be very affirming that, you know, no, I'm actually not a girl, I'm a boy. Right. And if parents, depending on how they respond, or they might shut that down and just go through their lives. I have a friend who came out at, um, as trans at age 55. She recognized that she really had been right. My trans son recognized his identity at age 26. So even though they know they can look back and be like, oh, yeah, that was clear. Right. So that's the gender identity. That is that intrinsic internal feeling. Okay. Gender expression is how I show the world my gender. If I am dressing in a very feminine way or a very masculine way or somewhere in between, um, that's my expression. It's it's the, the gestures that you use, your hair, your everything that people can see. Gender people can't see, that's mm. intrinsic. Okay. Gender identity is extrinsic. Understanding also that all of those are are on an array or they're on a spectrum, right? So you have people who are identifying as both. They're in the middle. They're gender queer. They're gender fluid because some days they're feeling they know that they're male. Other days that they know that they're female, right? Or a combination, a non-binary. Gender expression, again, some days, you know, I'm dressed not super feminine today, but other days I might want to dress up and do full makeup. Other days I'm in sweats and a cap because I'm just feeling very masculine that day or empowered. So those two things are very separate. For most people, I am cisgender. My identity is, you know, I was assigned female at birth based on my anatomy. Mm -hmm. And I know myself to be female. People who are trans, their gender identity is other than what they were assigned at birth. Okay. So the other thing to keep in mind is that gender identity and gender expression don't necessarily have to match, right? So if you see a man wearing a dress, he may not be trans. He just might feel really feminine that day and want to wear a dress. Right. And what advice would you give um, parents who have a, a child where the, the gender um is the, I guess it would be the the gender identity, I suppose, right? Because it's the intrinsic. If it's changing like every day, what's yeah. going? What sort of might be going on there? What is happening? Um, one again, depending on the age, right, of of the child. Um, if they're very young, and in all cases, I will say, believe who your child tells you that they are in this moment. Okay. Okay. 
So go with it. And recognizing that you're not going to, you can't force someone to be other than who they really are. You can force them to mask it, right? but that person is still going to be who they are. And so if your son is wanting to play with dolls and wear dresses, that might be an indication that he's trans. Let them do that in a way that is safe. Then start to learn a whole lot so that you can support your child in the way that they need. When we look at teenagers, especially, everybody, you know, you hear all the time, oh, it's it's a TikTok fad. It's social media. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, they're just labeling all of the things. First of all, labels help people with feel safe, right? Sure. And so yeah. if I am trying on different labels, um, I'm trying to find who I am and where I fit, right? I went through a period in high school where I was super punk <laughs> and all of my friends were super punk. And then I went through a period where I was super, super preppy, right? All the time. And, and so I was trying on different personalities and trying to find myself. Um, and that wasn't as, you know, intimidating. There was certainly times where my mother was like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> so we all go through that, right? In adolescence, again, the same thing. It is, we have a lot more language around gender and sexual identity and orientation than we ever have. We have a lot more visibility. And so you have more kids that are like, huh, I don't necessarily fit in this box that they told me I had to fit in. Let me figure out where I do fit. And again, you might have people who are fluid between different things. And that might be the change in the shift. But you also may have people are like, like I I have another good friend who um, as an adult, 30 something, recognized that they were not male and believed that they were gender fluid. And so one day male, one day female, and that went on for a period of years. She's now come to the realization she's female, right? So she now identifies as a trans woman, but you have to go through that process and it is, it can be exhausting, but let's be frank, parenting is exhausting, right? That's, that's in the job. It's always something new and no child is the same as the other child. (laughs) Nope. Nope. And you're not the same parent to any other child, right? Even within your own family. Oh, yeah. Um, with with classrooms, with teachers, like what can teachers do in their classroom or in their school to help make it more comfortable for um, LGBTQ plus children? Yeah. So it, there's a lot that individual teachers can do. And I know that there are a lot of educators who are nervous and scared because of whatever is happening in their district or politically with their school board. But even in cases where there are um, there's a lot of pushback. Uh, and a lot of you know transphobia and homophobia. There are things you can do, and a couple of the things is you can signal your support, right? And that can be seriously as simple as wearing. I have a, a rainbow watch band, mm-hmm. and that I have had people comment on it, and it's sort of a, it's a signal to the world that I might be somebody who is okay. I might be an ally, right? Um, it's the stories that you tell. It is if you're able to bring books in to your classroom that feature queer characters, awesome. If you hear kids talking about um, shows and books that feature queer kids, just being paying attention to that and signaling that you are okay with that is important. The things that you say, you can work on using gender neutral language, right? It's so easy to be like, all right, let's sign up. Boys over here, girls over here. 
try to take a boy girl out of as many places as you can um, and use gender neutral language. Hey friends, how's it going? Um, I, I used to work in an all girls school and it was very easy to say, okay, ladies, we're gonna, and then I realized yeah. I had several students who didn't identify as female. So I had to shift it to, you know, friends, students, folks. And then the other thing is, again, to scan, being aware of who is in your classroom and how they're interacting with their peers. We can talk about, you know, bullying and there's there's generalized bullying, but then there's always very specific bullying around identities. So if you are scanning your classroom and you just have a sense that a child might be going through um, a shift in their identity or their orientation, pay very close attention to the way that their peers are interacting with them because they may be causing more stress than, um, you know, for a child who hasn't necessarily come out. Um, and again, just, and be ready to communicate to that child that you are a safe space, if indeed you are. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have, I know bullying is such a difficult one because kids will bully based on anything that they, if they don't like you, then they will find something. Um, yep. What are some of your strategies? And maybe this is as a parent or even as a parent coach, some things that you would tell a child or like a teenager who's being bullied so that they can sort of protect themselves. Because the fact is that there are bullies in life as adults. So it's not that you can say, okay, we'll just like, you know, punch him or something like that. You have to actually yeah. develop strategies within yourself to protect yourself against the outside bullies because they are everywhere. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really important is helping children to learn about their own nervous system mm. and the way that they're responding to things, right? Um, that fight or flight, helping them recognize when that's being triggered and what is triggering it. And then providing coping skills to deal with that. How do you get yourself back to regulation? You know, whether it's breathing mm -hmm. exercises or movement or, you know, whatever your child needs, helping ensure that they know that they are in control of themselves is a good first place to start. Believing that it's actually happening, right? right. If a kid is coming to you, if you, if it gets to the point where you, your child is telling you that this is happening, it's happening and it's been happening for a long time. Right. Um, continue to work with the schools, right? But understanding that teachers don't see everything, right? There is no way. Kids are amazingly good at being stealth with, yeah. you know, the, the damage that they're causing. Um, but utilize the system, right? So if, if, if you can't get support at the teacher level, then it's you work all the way up. Every school district has a bullying policy or an anti-bullying policy. Use it. Right. Right. So it, it, there are triggers to go back and forth within the school. And then sometimes you have to really look at the reality that maybe your kid needs to be in a different setting. Um, my own son was a is a uh, vocalist. He's a classical vocalist wow. and was in a general uh, public school um, that was very sports oriented. And both my girls had gone on there and it was fine. He was really, really struggling. And so we moved him from that school to an arts high school where he found okay. his people and yeah. he flourished, right? And so making sure that your child has at least some place in their life where they have supportive people. 
Okay. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And and yeah, that that place to thrive, right? To where they love yeah. being there and they can see that there are good people in the world. I think that's also key is like, let's focus on the great people in your life, right? Instead yep. of the people that are dealing with so much negativity within themselves that they have to actually push it out into the into the world, you know, which is yeah. unfortunate. But yeah. And one thing I want also, I want to touch on quickly, if we're sort of going back to what teachers can do. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about, you know, so we're talking about bullying among peers and understanding that when it comes to queer kids, often home is that place where they're not safe and where they're being bullied. Right. And I think statistically only 40% of queer kids feel that they have a welcoming home environment. It's a pretty striking, you know, statistic. So shocking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So having, having at least one adult in their life that is supportive can quite literally be life-saving. So one of the things that I like to ask teachers to do and any adult to do is if you know that a kid is trans specifically and is not safe at home with that information or parents aren't willing to hear it, I do what I call proactive code switching, right? Which is saying to the kid, you know, again, thank you for sharing this. And maybe one of the things they need is is that safe space. So I hear you, I see you, I acknowledge your gender and your name, and I will always use that when it's you and I. But I also know because you're telling me that it's not safe at home, it's your parents can't know this. So please know that when I'm talking to them about you and referring to you, I'm going to use the name and the pronoun that they know. But I want you to know I'm doing it intentionally. It's not because I don't believe you and I'm not affirming you it's because I want to keep you safe okay that's yeah that's excellent advice and and I think also shows the the child by saying that that that, so when they hear it they know that you're still on their side right that you're not actually kind of you know doing it behind their back sort of idea so yeah thank you that's really good um, as we uh, finish off, um, Jennifer, I just wanted to know, I know it's tough, but do you have any book recommendations or any favorite books? And it can be about the LGBTQ plus community, or it can be, you know, just books that you've read that you're like, wow, this actually kind of changed my life right here. <laughs> it's so hard. Again, former librarians. So, um, <laughs> there's a lot. True story. <laughs> so um, I will say like, it's interesting. I love books that shift my mind perspective, right? To help me um, question the things that I know and believe. And um, I'm just going to go with with fiction right now. So when I was a kid, I think one of my favorite books was The Giver by Lois Lowry. Oh, yeah. I just read that a few years ago. Love it. Yeah. Like my kids had to read, my girls had to read it in school and I made them read it before they were required to read it because I wanted them just enjoy it and not have to dissect it. But I felt that it was a real, I don't know why, just always stuck with me. Um, and I just finished uh, recently Jody Picoult's Mad Honey. Oh, okay. Which is actually connecting, you know, there's our, our, uh, a good theme in there around trans folks. And okay. so um, I didn't know that, that I just, I enjoy her books. So I didn't know that there was uh, a trans thread through it, um, but it's a really, it's a good one. Great. Okay. Well, I'll definitely uh, keep put those in the, in the show notes for sure. Um, and where can our listeners go if they want to connect with you and, and learn more or yeah, just like contact you in any way. Yeah. So my main website is parentwithcare.com, all one word. 
And I'm on Instagram and Facebook, at, but also at Parent with Care. And queercampfair.com will be launching soon. Amazing. It will. Don't done. worry. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely, uh, we'll, we'll make a note that it's coming soon. We'll put that in the notes as well, for sure. Awesome. And just, a, just a few final thoughts, because I like to always talk a little bit about mindset, right? So what is, um, what is one thing that you do, Jennifer, to keep you calm when uh, things are getting a bit chaotic? I breathe, first of all, yeah. right? Yeah, me um, too stop and ask myself, like, is this real or am I just responding in a way, right? That is, am I creating more drama in my head? Um, and then literally sitting down and dump, you know, brain dump and prioritize and just be like, it's okay. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. Nice. Okay. That's good. I like, yeah, the brain dump is good. And I think that self-talk is especially powerful, right? Like it's going to yeah. be okay. And yeah. Do I have evidence of this? Am I just sort of, you know, convincing myself of something that's not actually here? And mm -hmm. I, yeah, I love, yeah. I've really trained myself with the self-talk. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, is it a fact or a feeling? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one to ask. Is it a fact or a feeling? Yeah, I like that. Um, how do you, uh, so with, in terms of mindset, how do you move yourself from a negative mindset if you're finding yourself in a negative space into a positive mindset? Looking for evidence yeah. to prove myself wrong, right? And so it's, I, I will say, this is something I struggle with. I have, it's very easy for me to believe that I am, you know, the evil person in everyone's story and that I am, you know, uh, not able to do the things that I want to do. And so I have to stop and proactively look for and listen and remember evidence to the contrary, right? Yes. And be like, I no, actually... <laughs> Yes. And that it, there are actually a lot of people out there who need you and need your help. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so that's, yeah, it sounds corny, but it's like reading the testimonials that clients have given me. It's like, Oh man. Yes. And, and remembering that feeling of, you know, pride and accomplishment when I get off the phone with a, with a client that I've helped them through something yes. is oh, exactly that's why I do this thing. Good for you. Yeah, you got to focus. That's what I would focus on too. Um, and lastly, what three things are you grateful for today? Oh, I'm so grateful for so many things. Um, I will say that I am truly grateful for my relationship with my significant other and my kids. Um, we've all worked hard to have good relationships. Yeah. Um, I am absolutely grateful for the opportunity to do this work. And hopefully, you know, make a ripple of change in yes. the world. Um, I'm grateful for this conversation. Thank you. Me too. I'm so, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. And I just really appreciate you for how you're helping young people, you know, and their parents um, and their teachers <laughs> just navigate their way to finding an identity that they can feel comfortable in because it is such a, it is such a rocky path to tread, you know, and I think having someone like you who can bring that awareness out to the world is, is really important. I think it's definitely already helped so many parents and it's going to help even more. I can't wait for parents um, who 
who are who have a child you know who's lgbtq plus listen to this and be like okay cool now i i have a better idea of like where i can go and what how i can really support my child which is what i want so thank you yeah. so much i really yeah thank you for coming on thank you for everything you do thank you